Hey, we wrote a book. It's called Bat Digest, The Independent Bat Buyer's Guide. It is a bat-fitting book that is now available on Audible. That's right, it's an audiobook. So those of you who hate to read or you're driving in your car and you're like, I don't have time to read, yo. I'd listen to a book, but I wouldn't read a book. This is your moment. Look in the description, there's a link to Audible. You can go and buy the book. It's about two hours. If you don't like the sound of my voice, you can two-time speed that bad boy and rock and roll. You get the six steps of buying the best bat every single time, as well as some absolute ranting and raving by us on the industry. It is. It, it should just warm your soul, and our expectation is you listen to it over and over and over again until you leave a five-star rating, and uh, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. On Audible, check it out. We're so excited for it. We're so excited for people like you to listen to it. The first book ever on bat fitting. Yo, 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 folks. Welcome back to the 43rd episode of Bat Digest, the podcast. Today's the mound visit where we take your questions and we answer them here live, as live as a podcast can be, on air. You can submit your questions to at batdigest.com forward slash advice. That's batdigest.com forward slash A-D-V-I-C-E. We got nine questions today. Let's get into it. Question number one comes from Patrick out of Texas. He says, I have a nine-year-old that is turning 10 in April. He plays on an 11U select team. He's using a 29-inch drop 10 Adidas Aero Burner. Nice. He likes the bat. He's looking at the new Meta for next year. Is the Meta a good comparable bat? I would like to get him a drop 8 for next year, but can't find an Aero Burner in a drop 8. Thanks, Patrick. Patrick, yeah, the Aero Burner in the drop 10, that's a, that's a really good bat, right? It's weird to me that they stopped making that stuff. Crazy enough, like the very first experience we ever had with reviewing bats is we got a we got an email one day from Adidas. This was like when we first started doing it. We were like doing it out of a shoebox then, and we, and we kind of still are, honestly. But it was like we get an email from the head of marketing for U.S. of Adidas saying, hey, we're coming out with bats. Would you like to review them? That was actually the first bat we were ever sent. Uh, to review actually was the adidas uh, eqt i think is what it was called the eqt one and the, i'm not sure why i'm giving you that side note my point is because we thought when adidas came on the scene it was going to be a big deal like they, they were here to stay i mean it's adidas for crying out loud they clearly have the distribution they clearly have the marketing prowess they clearly have the access to baseball and yet they, it seems like they just sort of gave up they came out with that adidas aero burner and i don't know if they ever even came out with a drop eight honestly uh for sure you're not gonna be able to find that thing new the, the adidas aero burner They've just sort of given up on the entire line. So you're not going to find that bat in terms of its related bats. The Meta is actually a, a pretty comparable bat. You'll find the Adidas Aero Burner has a little bit of a, of a more flexible connection than the Meta. But in terms of its feel, in terms of its barrel size, in terms of its the swing weight, in terms of its performance, I think you'll be super happy with a Meta Drop 10. Now, do you go to the Drop 8? Of course, that's that's the million-dollar question. When do you make that transition? But 11U Select, that's about the time you do that, right? So if you're at a 29 Drop 10, it would be nice if he was in a 30 Drop 10, then you just go to the 30 Drop 8, because now you're kind of going two jumps from a 29 to a 30 Drop 8. That, that's kind of where we would be, and we would be happy to be in a Meta 30 Drop 8 for my 11U season, if he can get to that point. But again, don't oversize, hoping he grows into it. Just make sure it's the right size and meta drop eight all the way all the way thanks patrick good question next question comes from david out of connecticut he says i have a nine u usa baseball player he's in cal ripken he's a travel player 
He has worked so hard to improve and has become a very good contact hitter. Lots of line drives, no big power just yet. He's 4'6", 68 pounds. Sorry, that's, of course, there's not a lot of power. He's 4'6", 68 pounds. He likes hitting the ball. He likes hitting the 51, 50, 29 on a drop 10 right now. All right. I just picked him up a String King Metal Pro because he was messing around with it off the tee and was killing it. It seemed to have good pop, not something you associate with a USA bat. Last year, he swung a Cat Connect, but he outgrew it quickly. I want to get him another bat to complement the alloy bats he has. What do you recommend? He had a Quattro Pro drop 12 but I sold it because it had no pop. Should I go for the drop 10? What about True Temper T2? What are your thoughts? I'm trying to steer clear of the ADV as I know I can get some other bats at good prices. Thanks, David. Yeah, good question, David. The drop 10 USA bat world has a few good options in it, luckily, because like the drop eight world is brutal right now in the USA world. You can't even find stuff in stock. If you want to save some money, getting an older USA bat with a composite barrel, honestly, really good choices out there. Uh, if you can find like a 2019 or 2020 CF from DeMarini, those things get really good ratings. They last forever. They have a really nice feel, a light swing. The barrel size is pretty small, especially compared to like a USSA bat. But I think compared to like a 5150 that he's been swinging, I think you'll feel like it's an improvement. If you don't like the idea of a CF, then look for one like the Prime. If you want to go brand new, a bat we look at is a bat like the Easton Maxim. I think they have a drop 10 in a USA version this year. That's probably going to be worth it, but I, I think you'll struggle to, to find a deal on that because it's just so brand new. But that, that that's a great bat, huge barrel, feels good, one of our favorites. And if he likes the 5150, I think he'll fall in love with that with that Maxim. However, uh, we think the best feeling bat again is a bat like the like the 2019 slash 20 Demarini CF Prime. In fact, let's go do that right now because you know. This is a fun part. We get a shot. but So he's in a 29 now. I'm not sure where you want to end up. If you want to go with a 29 or a 30, uh, let me just type in a 30 USA CF from, of course, DeMarini. And let's just see what's here on the internets. Look at this. I see a 3020. It's ending here in a day. It's going for currently 89 bucks plus $31 of shipping. Why? Why? Why would they do that? That doesn't seem that exciting. The $31 of shipping, but the $89 price looks fantastic. There are some bids on this and there's some time left. So that might pop up by then. So I wouldn't I wouldn't think that's the, the right price. But here you go. 215 bucks. A are they calling it brand new here? Looks like it's been slightly used. 215 bucks. This is the 2019 D Marini CF youth bat. Let me just look at a prime really fast and let's just see if we can find you a prime for a deal as well. Prime, of course, being from Louisville Slugger. This is a brand new flash shell, it's saying, from Baseball Gear Bros. Does everyone, is everyone's plan to put the name Bros after everything these days? I guess so. But Baseball Gear Bros, Baseball News Flash Shell, Louisville Slugger Prime, 919 USA, brand new, 3020, 199 bucks. I wouldn't be too concerned about buying new in this space. They grow out of these bats so quick. And as long as that bat's in decent shape, the USA composite bats seem to actually last quite a while. As long as you don't buy that old yellow quattro, that's where you would go, a 3020 CF in USA or the Prime if you want to just try something a little bit different. Third question comes from Mary out of Rhode Island. She asked, suggestions on what BB Corps bat to get my 12, almost 13-year-old son for middle school baseball. He's 5 foot, 95 pounds. In my opinion, he's more of a contact hitter who gets on base rather than a power hitter. He uses a USSA Cat 9 Connect 31 and a drop 8 for AAU baseball and seems to like it. Nothing crazy expensive. Would like to stay under 350 bucks. Thanks, Mary. Mary, the BB Core space uh, it really is above 
350 for a brand new two-piece composite bats like that Cat9 composite you have. However, the great news is, is that the used market is super robust. Not the best time in the world to buy in the used market, but I'm confident you can find a two-piece composite bat, which is, I think, what he will like, the BB core space. I'm not sure you'll find, I mean, in a perfect world, we would say, just buy the Cat Connect if he likes that bat, buy it in BB core. Same kind of feel, obviously going to weigh more, huge barrel, a great feel, light swing for it, you know, for its size, of course, and its league. It would be perfect fine going the used market if you want that you know what we think would probably be the ideal bat for him so let's just see if we can find and I know we always go like to a CF but let's try let's try something a little different today I'm gonna try a bat called the Easton Ghost in BB core and you probably want I'm seeing the Easton 2018 Easton Ghost X BB core if I look at his size this 13 year old age is always it's always the most difficult 5 foot 95 pounds that's probably about an average size for that but it's just so it's just so hard He's at a 31 drop eight to feel like you're losing bat if you go down to a 30. But going from that 31 drop eight to a 31 drop three, it's always, it's always tough. Uh, and maybe you do have a better sense of other BB core bats he's tried. Can he get away with a 31 drop three right now in a light swinging bat? If he can, then I would probably look at a bat like the Easton Ghost X composite. That's like a 2018, 2019 bat. Look, it's, it's, there's a 3128 I'm looking at right now on eBay, a, a whopping $160 with free shipping. It's just a good bat. It's a great bat. Uh, I'll say great. I, I just said good. Then I went to great. It, it is. It, it performs well. It feels great. It's got that two-piece composite feel and a light swing. And I think he's going to appreciate that coming from a connect where that connect has a really, really great feel in a drop eight, like probably the best feel ever going to a two-piece composite. If he goes to a light swinging bat like a Solo or a Velo or a Vandal that are all single-piece alloy bats, I think he just won't appreciate the stiffness in those bats. So I would really try to find a two-piece composite. Now, of course, you can always look at a bat like DeMarini's CF in an older year. We'll look one of those up for you as well. I mean, I'm seeing a CF-8 in BB Core in a 3027 for 174 bucks. It's right in that wheelhouse. We don't think, uh, that in BB Core at least, that the CF is any better than any other two-piece composite bat. So, so look for a bat, again, like that Eastern Ghost, like the CF, but go back to like, it, it seems like circa 2017, 2018 is really what we're going after. And we hate that we're just throwing options at you, but I think hopefully the point is, is that don't be too concerned about the brand when you get into BB Core, the BB Core world. I would be more concerned about the right size and the right swing weight and the, the right type of bat. And so two-piece composite is what I would go for, big barrel, hence two-piece composite and a light swing. So that would be a bat like the Prime. That would be a bat like the CF. That would be a bat like the Easton Ghost, which is now called the ADV. He'll, be, he'll grow out of that bat in six to eight months. Uh, and this way you can spend 150 bucks, save 200 bucks and put it towards that meta that he wants in a 32 next year or the year after that, because that bat's gonna cost you, uh, but it's gonna be fantastic. But we sort of wanna get through this transition phase, at least, at least in our opinion, before we go out and spend a lot of money, especially if you're budget conscious, as you are, as you should be. So thanks for the question, Mary. Hope that helps. The next question comes from Matt out of Alabama. It says, uh, hey, Brian, enjoy the podcast. This pertains to an 11 new hitter. My question is, and this may trigger some, uh, oh yeah, we like these ones. Uh, I see in the bat groups on Facebook that Camwood is being really pushed hard by the bat reps. My son at the time was a solid hole, one, two hole hitter, hit for high average and below average power. I bought one and did the programs. My son did the steps as instructed and worked at it hard. Here's where the issue comes in. He instantly started to struggle at the plate. His average took a dive every game. Within two months of steady decline, he went from the one-two hole hitter to being a liability on the team. Coach talked to us about if anything had changed as far as bat weight or length. 
And we said, not no, and the only thing that had changed is we were using the Camwood system. He recommended we stop using it. We did. He continued to struggle for another month and started hitting again. He's back to normal, as he was before Camwood. I'm saying that this program really hurt my son. I've looked online and found some other cases like this. My question, it was this a coincidence, or did the program actually hurt my son? Thanks, Brian. Really enjoyed the show. Yeah, good question, Matt. As you as you obviously know, it would be impossible for us to, to know if the Camwood bat system is exactly what affected your son's inability to hit there for a couple of months. And it's, it's clearly been your experience, so it's really hard for us to say, well, that wasn't it. Or, or that was it. Of course, in the science world, we call this stuff anecdotal evidence. It's like, well, it, it did happen, but was that the exact reason why it did happen? To be sure, it wouldn't surprise us in the least bit if you've listened to us for more than, you know, just five seconds about our feelings about how marketing happens on social media and these bat reps and these forums that sort of pose as dads just be trying to, to do the best for everybody else. And then lo and behold, they happen to have a product that they're trying to sell everybody through, through an affiliate link. If you just click on this link, it, would, it would just wouldn't surprise us at all to find out that this system that is sort of sold through this, uh, let's say not perfectly clear means where the incentives are in the transaction, if that system didn't have the kind of results that were claimed to be. There's very little governance, as you know, very little governance on what people can claim that their system or bat or system of bats does for any particular hitter. My general rule is anything that can get a kid out to play more baseball, to practice more is good for them. If the Camwood bat system gets a kid to the cage more often, lets them see more pitches, I think good on them. Let's keep doing it. I like the idea, uh, the idea that, you know, these weighted knobs that really force the, the knob of the bat to the ball. That's clearly the right way to hit. But it doesn't surprise me or wouldn't surprise me to find out that a massive overemphasis of that in this hitting system can affect some players that actually will just mess up their swing. Wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the case. I would just suggest, as you clearly did, if you're going to go into any kind of system, any kind of hitting system, consistently evaluate the benefits and the improvements from it. If a kid isn't improving, it just isn't worth it. So good on you for finding that. I'd be interested to hear if other readers... I have not had success with Camwood. We've talked to a couple that have and that have liked it, but it always seems, uh, to your point, it always seems a little, I I don't want to use the word shady, but it always just seems a little dirty when I like click on someone's link and just in a Facebook group. It just, I don't know why I have like some repulsion to that, but in in any event, thanks for the question. We hope that helps. Next question comes from Pete out of Colorado. He says, thank you for the incredible resource regarding overweight and underweight swing training. We're really trying to nail down what works. I read the 95 Journal of Strength study uh, claiming that less than a 12% difference in weight had a great impact. Then I've also come across various programs stating a 20% or less difference is ideal. Obviously, there's a point of diminishing returns for the percent over under. Have you seen any studies that point to the uh, that diminishing returns of the over or under weight? I've read that too much or too little will mechanically change the swing and have a negative effect as the body works to resequence the swing most efficiently. Do you have any thoughts on this? Pete, we most definitely have some thoughts on this. And great question. Fun to think about this. Those of you who don't know what over-under training is, it's basically this idea that to improve our swing speed, we can take our gamer bat with that swing weight and then have a bat that's heavier than that and then a bat that's lighter than that. And then during practice, we can alternate through those bats in a certain sequence. And then over time, our bat speed increases of our gamer bat. And it increases more than just regular practice. They did a study back in 1995, one of the very few studies actually on bat speed, and they found pretty conclusively 
that this alternating of bats between an under and an over and the game bat actually does a really good job of increasing your swing speed when compared to just regular practice. And they liked it. If I remember the study correctly, they it did the best on either pitches, batting practice, and tee work, like hitting a real ball versus just dry swings. And it improved significantly over those who just did it on dry swings or those who just didn't do it at all and just always used their gamer bat. That is, their swing speed improved significantly. Now, to be to be very sure, and we think this is an important part of the study that gets left out when people are trying to sell you on systems that do this, this study was done with older players. If I remember right, they were elite high school players or maybe even like first-year college-level players. But these kids were strong. They were big. They already knew how to hit. It was not done on 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. So I don't think it's fair to extrapolate that data down to them. I think anything for younger kids makes them swing better. I think a 13-year-old going and playing wiffle ball. I think a 12-year-old just taking normal BP. I don't think it's fair for the study and for sort of the scientific community to say, well, this is how you improve swing weight of little kids or the the way you, you improve it the best is by doing this over-under training for small kids. Does it? It might. But unfortunately, they really just – no one has really put together the study to see if it improves swing speed better than just good old-fashioned practice in terms of the younger kids. But for the older kids, the question becomes is what is the optimal difference in over-under weights? I think yeah, – this is off the top of my head here, but I think Axe's system that they did with driveline baseball, I think it's a plus or minus 20%. I think the study was done with something that was like plus or minus 10%. So it, if we keep increasing that difference, let's say we go to plus or minus 100%, although you can't really go minus 100%, maybe like over double the weight and half the weight and then the gamer bat, will, will that increase it even more or are these diminishing returns as we increase the difference between – the gamer bat, and our under and over? And the answer, Pete, as you might imagine, we just we just don't know. It seems to me like there is an optimal number, but I, I would just have a hard time believing that it's, that it's anything uh, worth really trying to dial in in terms of saying, is it 10 or is it 12 or is it 14 or is it, is it, is it 25? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I wish I did, but I really do appreciate the question, although I'm pretty much telling you, I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's hard for me to imagine why I would go out and buy a system for this when the the journal article in 1995 is, is publicly available. I think we have it linked on our site somewhere. If you search like, if you search like how to hit home runs, it's one of our links about doing over under training. But why not just go buy a cheap light bat and a cheap heavy bat? You can get those on eBay for fractions of the price of what some of these training systems are. So that that's our real opining on that. We don't really have any insight as to what the optimal number is. It, it appears based on the study, it's more than 10%. At some point though, I think when our mechanics start to fail us, it probably doesn't make sense to go above that. So what is that number? Probably just depends on the hitter. Is that 50% more? Is that 25% more? I'm not sure. But thanks for the question. And we haven't talked about the over-under training system yet, I think on the podcast. So that's why we took it. Uh, and I wish I had a better answer for you. If you do come up with an answer though, Pete, and you feel like there's maybe more logic as to why it might be 25 versus 20. We'd love to hear it and, and get your take on why why you might think there is an optimal number somewhere between, say, 15 and 50%. Thanks for the question. Next question comes from Thomas. 
out of Nevada. He says, please talk about and explore why the Rawlings threat might not be the best bat for tiny kids just getting into USA Leagues. Since it has such a low swing weight per your data for a maximum USA 2 and 5 8 barrel, I would think it would be the ideal choice to get an extra inch or two out of your bat. Keep a low swing weight, cover the pro size width of the strike zone. It seems you get an extra inch or two of the bat while keeping uh, the same or even less swing weight. Why not the Rawlings threat? Well, it sounds like you've made a great case for it. You get an extra inch. Uh, it's It's got a nice big barrel. It's super light. It, I guess you have to ask yourself, is young baseball, is it all about plate coverage? You know, when the combat Maxim came out 10 years ago. That was their whole story. That it is, it's a single piece composite bat. Combat was based out of Canada. They made a single piece composite bat, and they, they like they they were the ones that sort of invented the rings. If you ever go to our site, we have these rings, and we do it in videos every once in a while. They put the ring on the bat to show how big the barrel is compared to other bats. They were sort of the inventors of this this pitch, if you will, that says the bigger the barrel, the better the bat. Like it's all about plate coverage per swing weight. Plate coverage per swing weight. And that it's a compelling argument. And honestly, off the top of our head, we have a hard time sort of walking away from that saying it's all about barrel size. Well, we would just point out that at a high school level, for example, very few people care about the, the barrel size of a bat, like the actual barrel size of a bat. Why is that? People are not saying to get the lightest swinging bat because therefore you can get an extra inch out of it. And why is that? Why aren't they saying, hey, get a 34 inch bat that has a light swing weight versus a 33 and a heavy swing weight. You see a lot of kids swinging a heavy bat and a 33, not a light swinging bat and a 34, for example. Why? Why is that? Well, there's something about the field or something about where the balance point is in the bat. There's something about the vibration that you get back to your hands that, that makes up for, and maybe even then some, what you might get out of having more plate coverage in a bat like the Rawlings Threat. Now, the good news is for young kids with a bat like the Rawlings Threat, they're not seeing the type of, of pitch speed that will hurt their hands in the event that they miss hit a ball. However, there are enough kids that I've seen hit with the Rawlings Threat that when they don't square it up just right, their hands ring, and then they hate baseball, and they throw the bat down, and you don't get a lot of plate coverage when you don't play baseball because you're not swinging a bat. It turns out that there's more that goes into a bat than just plate coverage and how much we can cover a plate versus being a small kid. But is it a good argument to, to get one? Absolutely. All other things being equal, wonderful. But at some age, kids really like the feel of an ADV, if we're talking USA, or a CF, uh, or maybe the Prime. Those bats, we think, uh, feel fantastic and encourage harder swinging, even if they might give up some, some quote-unquote plate coverage. Of course, there's a trade-off, right? At some point, we say, well, we're not going to give up so much plate coverage because this bat does feel better. There, there's a little bit of a trade-off. And where that, where that lies, I'm not sure. But for sure, if you're a little kid and you want a lot of plate coverage and a light swinging bat and you want to sort of buy into this combat maxim theory of we want all the plate coverage as possible then we are 100% down with the idea of a Rawlings threat for a young kid in USA. So there you go. Did we answer your question? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But that's sort of the two sides of that coin in terms of the importance of plate coverage with your bat. Next question comes from Abraham out of California. He says, do you think the Rawlings 12.75 GG's Elite Series glove is a good buy? I only have 200 bucks as a max and I'm an outfielder. Look, this is called Bat Digest, but we love gloves. We probably love gloves actually more than bats, but people don't really like to talk about gloves because it's like it's just a glove. But look, if you got 200 bucks and you want to buy a nice glove, the Rawlings GG series is right there. The Elite series is great. The only thing we would probably suggest, and you're playing outfield, so that's the right size, 1275 12, is really where you want to be. The only thing you, we would suggest, if you can wait, is usually around October. Now, inventory has been so stupid, but, but Wilson 
tends to do a, a glove day. And so if you only had 200 bucks, and who knows how it's going to price out this year, but I wouldn't be surprised to be able to find to be able to find an A2000 and maybe even like on a Black Friday for Heart of the Hide from Rawlings to find one of those gloves under 200 bucks. You really do get what you pay for with gloves in the Wilson and the Rawlings lineup. They really do a good job of sort of adding nicer features and better feeling features as you sort of price up. A lot of people will debate between the A2000 and the A2K, even though the A2K is usually, you know, 70, 80 bucks more than the, than the A2000 version of kind of the same glove. Same with the Rawlings Heart of the Hide versus Rawlings Pro Preferred. But, but there are improvements in those gloves, but I would say anything above A2K or, sorry, the A2000 or the Rawlings Heart of the Hide, you can't get much better than those gloves. A lot of the pro guys still use those things, even though they're not the Elite, they're not the Pro Preferred or the A2K. But the, the GG Elite Series is definitely a step down from the Heart of the Hide, but if you got 200 bucks, I think you're going to like it a lot. 1275 GG Elite Series glove by Rawlings all day, every day. We think that's a great choice if all you got is 200 bucks to spend. Next question comes from John out of Michigan. He says, Bat Digest, can you give your thoughts on the Missile 2? I think they sent their factory a Voodoo 1 to copy, then painted army green. Haha. Ha. Uh, I also think the Voodoo 1 end caps keep breaking because it has edged out hat catch balls. What? Not smooth like most end caps. I think I follow your last comment. The Voodoo 1's end cap, at least the older ones, definitely had that like little ridges and design in it. So maybe they were catching some baseballs in weird places and breaking off. Could be. Wouldn't be surprised if it's something as simple as that. Very rarely have we seen end caps be the issue for bats. And we're trying to think through it. It's usually the barrel or the connection piece. End cap isn't usually a failure point. And so Voodoo One is sort of unique in that way. So they clearly have done something um, that people have been able to break and apparently break quite often. And those little pieces probably get hit on some you know, 90 mile an hour fastball and they can't handle it. And so they break, which seems to be a problem. And it seems like they've tried to fix it with this new iteration of end cap. Hopefully it's the same weight uh, and doesn't do things for the compression at the end of the barrel. So that bat can still perform the same. In terms of the missile two, the answer is no, we cannot give you our thoughts on it. And that's because we have not hit with the missile two yet. And look, we don't want to sound like too negative Nancy, but there, there seems to be this process that goes like this. Uh, a bat gets sent to the bros, they hype it up like crazy, and then you can't find the bat for six months. And so to be to be frank, we've been doing this for long enough, that, that process kind of, it's kind of irritating to us. It's like, well, and everyone wants to ask us a question about the missile too. Hey, sure, it could be amazing, but no one's going to know. I think the Voodoo One and the F5 and the Solo have been around for about the same amount of time. And my guess is they all actually perform. In fact, I know they all perform about exactly the same. And look, I'm not questioning anybody's integrity. I think the bros are doing a great job. I think Stinger's doing a fantastic job. I mean, four years ago, nobody had heard about these guys. They, they clearly have something. They're clearly doing something right. That goes for the bros and for, and for Stinger. But, but I just want to be clear that this process, this sort of cycle of hype and never see the bat again, it just seems ridiculous to me. I guess that's all, that's all I'm trying to point out. Is it sour grapes on my end? Maybe. Maybe I'm like, no, I, I want to see the bat and I want to test it. But, but, you know, that comes in time and our process has never really been on the forefront of let's reveal the next best thing to you. Our process has been more like, hey, here's all these bats. Let's get them all and test them all. And that will be our process for this bat. The nature of the beast right now is that there's a lot of information out there that has to just be taken with a grain of salt. And that's where we're at. All that said, I will just make this one comment. They still call it power balanced. Their graphic says power balanced. Why would you ever put power balanced on a bat that swings light? Is the Missile 2 somehow as light as a bat like the Voodoo 1 or the Easton Maxim or the Solo or the F5? I don't know. 
But if we have learned anything, anything over the course of the years doing this, it's that we do not trust the claims that companies make about how light swinging their bat is or is not. There's no other way for us to know the swing weight of that bat but by measuring it, not by picking it up, not by shaking it in our hands, not by looking at it in the sporting good dial, not by reading what the barrel says or somebody else's comment about it. So that's our big hesitation. We would love for that bat to be as light as the Voodoo One. We're, we're a little bit gun shy to run off and say, oh man, this bat's going to be, it's the second coming of the Voodoo One, which by the way, is about as good as all the other single piece alloy bats out there. No, we don't think anyone's being disingenuous. People are just, they're just trying to do their job. Hats off. Keep, keep fighting the good fight. We love to see it. But we haven't hit with the, sting, the missile two. Uh, when we do, you'll be the first to know. And if it's fantastic uh, and the best thing since sliced bread, we will shout it from the rooftops. We will shout it from the rooftops. That is our absolute promise. Next question comes from Joe out of Louisiana. He says, USA bat. Wood bat, is it better for Little League or Dixie? Uh, my boys have been swinging both. Uh, not the whole team, but my top four players are swinging wood bats. For USA, uh, is that the right the right approach, Joe? A uh, good good question. Our answer is probably not. It's very unlikely that the swing weight and the barrel size. Speaking of the threat in an earlier conversation, we think the wood bat is the exact opposite sentiment as the bat, the threat that we talked about earlier, which is all about plate coverage. Well, a wood bat is almost nothing about plate coverage. Probably too heavy of a swing is my guess compared to bats that are much lighter because you can't get a major drop inside of a wood bat. There are bats that are like a drop sixes, maybe some drop sevens, but they have to end cap that thing. They, they, they cup the end out so much and they make the barrel profile so small. It's probably a two and a quarter barrel is my guess if it's a drop six. You might find maybe a two and a half or something out there. But we think you use we, we, you lose too much plate coverage and too much sweet spot to go to a to a wood bat when you can look at a bat like an ADV or a Solo or a 718 or a, a CF or even a bat from Dirty South Bats because we don't talk about them enough. So let's point that out. Or maybe a bat even like the Techzilla from Anderson, some other sort of off the beaten path bats that we think are fantastic, that are USA bats that will last longer than these wood bats that will break and probably about as expensive because you can usually get those USA bats, especially in the secondary market for a for hundred bucks or so. And then wood bats are more expensive. Now, in terms of street credibility, wood bats are cool. They feel good. If you tee up a ball on a wood bat versus a USA bat and just really hit it well, I think you're going to get really, really similar results in terms of exit speeds. But we just think you improve the odds of a USA bat if it is in the metal or composite world, not necessarily the wood bat. Don't fix what isn't broke. If the kids love it and they're doing great, that's it. If the game were on the line uh, and it was my team and it was these at-bats mattered, I would say, kids, don't grab a wood bat for your at-bat. I mean, look at, for example, look at the Little League World Series. How many of those kids have ever swung a wood bat at the plate in USA Baseball? I, although it's perfectly approved for USA bat, uh, I think the answer is really close to zero. I've never seen one, and it's probably zero. I would take a, even a, a very inexpensive, a cheap USA bat over a wood bat if the game were on the line. Uh, in terms of being cool, wood bats are awesome. Thanks for the question, Joe. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope that was helpful. As always, if you have a question, batdigest.com forward slash advice. We will not be around on Friday, but a week from today, we'll have another mound visit. Have a good week, folks. Peace.